This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates and this is The Full Story, coming to you from Gadigal Land. 85 years ago on this day was the first day of mourning. Aboriginal thinkers, activists and families gathered in the heart of Sydney to protest the 150th anniversary of the arrival of the First Fleet and to call for a new understanding of this country and its First Peoples. In the days leading up to this protest, the organisers published a pamphlet which had this simple message about the date. The 26th of January, 1938, is not a day of rejoicing for Australia's Aborigines. It is a day of mourning. This festival of 150 years so-called progress in Australia commemorates also 150 years of misery and degradation imposed upon the original native inhabitants by the white invaders of this country. We, representing the Aborigines, now ask you, the reader of this appeal, ask yourself honestly whether your conscience is clear in regard to the treatment of the Australian blacks by the Australian whites during the period of 150 years history, which you celebrate. Wesley Enoch, whose voice you just heard, has long grappled with these same ideas written 85 years ago. You have almost exterminated our people, but there are enough of us remaining to expose the humbug of your claim as white Australians to be civilised, progressive, kindly and a humane nation. Powerful words. I love that idea, the humbug of your claim. It's such a black way of putting it too. <laughs> a Kwandamooka man from Minjeriba in Queensland. He's one of Australia's most renowned playwrights and artistic directors and the current Indigenous Chair of Creative Industries at the Queensland University of Technology. Today, a conversation with Wesley Enoch on Australia's Day of Mourning. It's Thursday, the 26th of January. Wesley, you've written opinion pieces, you've created shows and events all based around this day, Invasion Day or Survival Day. Why? Ultimately, what I'm most interested in is making sure that we tell stories that are neglected or suppressed or even forgotten. And a lot of First Nations stories are like that. And this country in particular has an addiction to being young and free somehow. I don't know what that means, but also to being forgetful. Mm. We have such a weird kind of sense of memory in this country, that we think things that are only 10 years old are really important and things that are 43,000 years old can be blown up. One of those forgotten histories, I suppose, that's really being talked about more in recent years is the day of mourning on January 26, 1938. Can you tell me a bit about what you know about that day? What, what happened? It was an incredibly positive protest, yes. There was a protest involved a peaceful, beautiful statement of purpose, a kind of sense of going forward, uh, a list of demands that needed to be acknowledged and a sense of communication. 
And in fact, Sydney Town Hall, they met on the steps of Sydney Town Hall at one point because they weren't allowed to use Sydney Town Hall and they walked around to uh, Australia House where they actually had their meeting on the 26th. These protesters called for full citizenship rights and this day is seen by many as a big turning point for civil rights in Australia. What led up to this moment, though, Wesley? How did it come about? If we go back, and I did this show called Black Diggers, which was about Aboriginal servicemen who went to World War I. And this was one of the first times that Aboriginal people, they'd gone to the Boer War, but as Australians had gone off to war and they'd come back and they'd fought side by side with white Australians and had realised that maybe when they came back, the white Australians realised that, that Aboriginal Australians were not treated the same way. And it was a sense of going, actually, Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islanders, but mostly Aboriginal people at this point, needed a voice to make sure that they could be heard and changes need to be made so that there could be a real acknowledgement of Aboriginal health, education, and how First Nations people, Aboriginal Australians, had been taken out of that discussion leading up to, you know, 1938 and the 150th anniversary of the arrival of the First Fleet, which was an incredible date of colonialism, which was so important, I think, for Australia in between the wars, World War I and World War II. The sense of national identity was really important. They didn't know where they fit anymore. Mm. And Australia wanted to be very strongly part of the Commonwealth, part of the empire. And so this notion of celebrating... I use that word in inverted commas, 150th anniversary of the arrival of the First Fleet was very, very important. And, in fact, in, in, in just a few years earlier, it was the ANA, the Australian Natives Association, which is very misleading when you hear that. The Australian Natives Association, which was basically Australian-born white men in Melbourne. <laughs> mm, no Aboriginal people on this Australian Natives Association. Yeah, native was a very different definition. Wow. And they were saying, oh, we need to have an Australia Day. We need to have a national day. And they started to agitate for an Australia Day from 1935 that came to full fruition in 1938. So I think the day of mourning is this kind of coalition of so many different things. It was Aboriginal servicemen and white servicemen serving together in World War One, coming back and saying, we want to change the world. It was the Australian national identity wanting to hold on to its British colonial past and celebrate it and bring it to the fore. And this notion that if we're going to have a future, we actually had to make sure that everyone understood that the 26th of January was not a day to celebrate, but a day to mourn. Mm. And I love this idea that Australia Day is as old as our first day of mourning. It's like they go hand in hand. People see them as antithetical, but they are in fact the same age. I did some research on what people were calling for in this day of mourning in 1938. And actually, you know, about a week later, a delegation met with the Prime Minister and they called for, among other things, a Ministry of Aboriginal Affairs, which would consult with an advisory body primarily made up of Aboriginal people. 85 years later, we're still calling for that advisory body. I mean, what did you think of that, Wesley? And why has it taken so long? 
Well, look, in, in many ways, we've had versions of it again and again and again, but on the terms of white government. And this is this big conversation that white government has never really understood black sovereignty. In the Constitution, we were written out, and there was no way that the federal government was really wanting to engage on our terms about how we wanted to be there. And so what I'm really enjoying is this idea of the voice being an extension of that, that, that there's something that has been handed on to us by our great-grandparents. This national holiday is relatively young. All the states and territories have only really celebrated it all together since 1994. So it's, it's a younger public holiday than me, actually. <laughs> I'm wondering how you've marked this day throughout your life. I remember Australia Day was, oh, whatever long weekend we could make at the end of January. If New Zealand is the land of the long white cloud, Australia is the land of the long weekend. You know, this, <laughs> and we love a long weekend. And in many ways, it marks the end of summer for, for many of us. Mm. As you say, it wasn't until 88 that we were forced again to do it on the 26th of January. And the Hawke and then Keating governments went, oh, well, if we're going to have a national day, we should have it on the day and not just make a long weekend out of it. And as you say, 1994 is when it was legislated to become a national holiday to happen on the 26th of January. And I think that 88 has just re reinvigorated this discussion because 88 was an extraordinary time for survival. When you think about Survival Day concerts and Survival Day marches and the, the rising of the consciousness of First Nations Australians, Kevin Gilbert uh, long past poet, he said, you sharpen your axe on the hardest stone. You find a hard stone and you sharpen your axe on it because that's what it's about. And in many ways, the 26th of January has been this really hard rock that we just keep sharpening and sharpening and sharpening this weapon, which is what does it mean for Indigenous rights in this country? Because for people who didn't live through the bicentenary, it was a day of great celebration and great protest. You saw, you know, Aboriginal people taking to the streets in Sydney and other places, but also this almost carnival of colonialism going on at the same time. I mean, do you have particular memories from that time? Have you noticed something happening, something going on around here? Oh, yeah. I re- well, and, and people can Google this. If you Google some of the ads, you know, there was this jingle that went, Celebration of a Nation. Celebration of a Nation. This jingle was everywhere. And it looked possessed. You know, it was all about colour. It was all about people being happy. And, and it was almost our national character was being taken over by some kind of nationalism as a nation our eyes were opened to the pantomime that the 26th of January represented. These types of celebrations kind of seem contingent on focusing on a shared experience of Australia, on unity. Uh, Is there a problem with celebrating a kind of single national narrative of Australia? Yes, absolutely. I quote um, Noel Pearson a lot here when he talks about the three narratives that make up Australia. He talks about we are a country of the longest continuous culture on earth. 
You know, we are an unbroken cultural line in this country and we should be proud of that. That's a really important issue. Mm. The second one is the British colonial project and the, the institutions that we've inherited and the systems that we're living in. Often that's a big narrative, but also our multicultural, multi-ethnic nation as well. And yet on our national day, they seem to be in opposition. Why can't we have a national day which is, you know, a morning of protest, an afternoon barbecue, an evening kind of multicultural concert? These things are all Australian. And why does that thing have to happen on the 26th of January? Why is that the day we need to use as our national day? Do you have a set idea for what a day of mourning could look like, what January 26th could look like? Mm, I have two trains of thought here and they seem contradictory, but it's one follows the other. The first thing is I'm not into changing the date. I'm into changing the country. Change the country first. Don't change the date and think that you've solved it. You know, there's a lot more to do. And if every year we have this same debate for the next 10 years and everyone comes on the journey, so be it. I understand that there's pain involved, but I also know that it's our our survival, our history that's also being celebrated and we need to kind of keep that there. And then I've got in my design, I go, let's go back to the long weekend and you go on the first day it's the Indigenous day and you go, you sit on country, you spend time with local local mob, you learn language, you take time with the flora and the fauna of your area to understand more. On the second day, you actually then take some time out to talk about the colonial history and what that meant and what's the real history of our country? What's the truth-telling that needs to be told? Not just the kind of glorified, whitewashed history. And then the third day, the survival of all those who have come to these shores as well. And we see them actually in talking together and not contradictory. I think that's the bigger issue, that we are sophisticated, intelligent people as a country, that we can actually understand that all those things exist. Next, why January 26 is a day for governments and people around Australia to listen. It does seem that more and more people are moving towards this idea of the original meaning and protest of January 26 in 1938, a day of mourning. You yourself have spearheaded an event called The Vigil that's been part of Sydney Festival the past few years in your previous job. Behind me, as you can see, the crowds are here. Um, it's an amazing event on, on the, um, the eve of 26th of January. So many Indigenous and non-Indigenous people turning out uh, to walk in solidarity. Can you tell me a bit about that? I was the Artistic Director of the Sydney Festival um, for five years, finished a couple of years ago now. And what I wanted to do is say, this date, the 26th of January, falls within Sydney Festival dates. So I don't want it to go unquestioned. I don't want it to go uncommented on. I kind of was building that into my thinking, going, okay, what happened if on the day before, what was it like for Gadigal people mostly? 
when they woke up and they saw that ship coming in, they'd heard about it. They were all sitting in Botany Bay for four or five days and they'd come around the heads, they'd come in and they landed there. What did they think then? How was that different the night before? There's something to be said about how can we offer that opportunity of reflection and that's what the vigil was. They could stay until dawn. They could stay there and, you know, often there'd be three or 4,000 at the very beginning and at the end there'd only be about 100 people who'd stay the whole night. But you go, yeah, they were there to think about what it means to be Australian and what our National Day really means. We are here on the eve of a date 233 years ago that was the beginning of a devastating change in the lives of the First Nations of this continent. This change was the start of traumas never experienced before, and they continue today. If anything, the 26th of January, Australia Day, Survival Day, Invasion Day, has been a contentious day by design. It's there to help us think about the thing that we need to shift and change. And often what we've not done properly is fund and support all the different ways that we can think about what it means to be Australian. We've often just thought about the British colonial project, when in fact there are so much more, so many more things to actually kind of talk about. This always was, always will be Aboriginal land. We have survived. What were the reactions? that you had to to these vigils when you were holding them, both positive and and negative? The first one we did, it was when the tram line in Sydney hadn't been built fully yet. It just opened, I think, and they stopped the trams for us. And the Aboriginal community that were involved, and there's about maybe uh, 300, walked down through the centre of George Street around to Barangaroo and smoked the city. And it was this incredibly powerful thing. And people who then joined along the way were incredibly moved by that. And then to stay overnight, I think people would come up to me and say, we need cultural leadership, not political leadership on this idea. We need to be culturally led in this way because the political leadership wants to create argument, whereas cultural leadership wants to create shifts and changes. And there was one woman who had flown down from Brisbane and and she literally flew down that afternoon and got the first flight back the next morning because she said, I could not not be there. I could not ignore this as an important statement about what it means to be Australian. And I'm going to tear up here because we sometimes forget the emotional and symbolic uh, power that these things have. I know there's there's no future in violence. I know there's no future in pain or guilt. I know there's only a future in shifting and changing. And so I've spent my whole career trying to shift and change. The 26th of January is a moment for people to embrace the learning and understand our really, really long history. And that when anyone says to me, oh, Australia Day, we can't change the date, it's our—it's a really a traditional thing for us, and you go, it's not. And Aboriginal protest is just as old. And I just love to remind them that, that the day of mourning and, and where this has come from 
and that we can choose any day to be Australian. It doesn't have to be this date. It doesn't really have to. You mentioned that we need cultural leadership alongside or as well as political leadership. We have seen a big shift, I think, under this new government. Do you think we are seeing more cultural leadership of that kind around issues like this? We have a term, binangunj. When someone's binangunj, their ears are full, their ears can't hear. And I think that we've had um, a government that's been binangunj. And it's this wonderful moment where it feels like government has taken out the stuffing in their ears and are listening. Now, what they do about that is really important because it's not just about listening, it's about doing. And I think, if anything, there's something about how the Australian people need to not be binangunj about this. Not to have blocked ears, but to be open to the generous, and I'm reminded of the, the, you know, 1938, the day of mourning, the generous kind of passing on of our statement of need, our sense of self-determination, our need for our controlling our own affairs in our ways. This is what we're saying, and it's an incredibly generous thing. And when you talk talk about the Uluru Statement from the heart, you read that. If no one, if you haven't read that, bloody go Google it and read it. It is the most generous statement you could ever make about how we can be together as a country. We understand. And so this idea of just can you meet our generosity with open ears? was Wesley Enoch. Thanks so much for his time. We've put a link to some of Wesley's writing on this topic on the full story page, as well as writing from across The Guardian on the meaning of January 26. This episode was produced by Miles Herbert, Karishma Lusria and Joe Koning, who also did the sound design and mixing. The executive producer was me, Laura Murphy-Oates. Okay, thanks for listening. Catch you tomorrow.